Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with the stars, creators, and industry leaders keeping theater alive and putting all your favorite theater actors on screens during the pandemic on Broadway, on digital streaming platforms, and around the world. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to Arian Moyet. Theater fans will recognize the Tony-nominated actor from his work in shows like The Humans and Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo, or you might know him from his role in HBO's Emmy-winning series Succession. Moyet is also a filmmaker, and later this month, the dramatic thriller he wrote and directed, The Accidental Wolf, will come to the streaming service Topic. Initially created as a web series first released a few years ago, The Accidental Wolf comes to topic in an updated, revamped version with new footage, and it's got a cast that seems like it's made up of all of Moyed's theater friends, starting with Kelly O'Hara as the show's protagonist. She's playing in scenes with people like Judith Ivey, Reed Burney, Jane Howdyshell, Saan Gauja, Peter Friedman, Stephen McKinley Henderson, and Laurie Metcalf, among many, many others. Moyet is here in the virtual studio with me to talk about making the show, finding it a new life on a new platform, and why he thinks the story feels just as timely, if not more so, now in 2020 than it did the first time around. Hey, Arian, thanks for joining me. Hey, Gordon, how are you? It's good to see you. I'm great. It's nice to see you. Um, so first of all, I wonder if we could first start off talking about The Accidental Wolf in its initial phases of As You Were Creating It. Um, and I guess even before we do that, we should probably begin with, for people who didn't catch it the first time around, tell us a little bit about what it is and what it's about. Yeah, great idea. The uh, Accidental Wolf is a uh, is a new television series that I wrote and directed uh, and uh, produced independently, uh, starring the incredible Kelly O'Hara. Um, and I, I love the question about uh, how it all started, because how it all started was that Kelly and I, in 2012, were in King Lear together at the Public Theater uh, at the Newman. Yeah. And it was a lovely, fun group of individuals. Um, Kelly was in it, and Michael McKean, and Sam Waterston, and John Douglas Thompson. It was just like a theater, you know, who's who a little bit. And mm. though I knew of Kelly and, and had heard her sing and things, I've never actually seen her perform. Um, I'd only just the first time I've ever seen her act was as Regan in King Lear. And um, I was playing Edgar and I'd always she'd have a scene right before mine and I'd be 
poor Tom, which is basically a naked person outside in the wings. And I'd watch <laughs> Kelly O'Hara do this very famous why why you why need you one scene. And every night I was blown away about how much I cared about Regan. Mm, right. Not one you traditionally care about. That Not character. at all. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, yeah, she seems like she was wronged. <laughs> <laughs> and so as a, you know, uh, as a, someone that has, you know, been spent his whole life kind of creating his own work with Waterwell and the nonprofit and kind of building, you know, infrastructure and stuff on the work that I wanted to create. I kind of went up to Kelly and I said, if I write you something, will you do it? Right. <laughs> and she's kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and a couple of years later, we made a short called The Accidental Wolf, which right. was at the time called The Untitled Kelly O'Hara Project. Oh. And what was happening at the time, and this is, I would say, this is pre-Trump. So we're talking about 2015. Okay. Yeah. And what was happening at the time, I was really kind of fascinated with privilege. Mm. And before white privilege was a phrase, and I was fascinated about what happens if the, the richest you know, most put together white privileged human being mm. wants to run away from all that. And what happens if she wants to help other people in the midst of all that? And what happens if she can't? And essentially the story started. She gets mm. a phone call on the first five minutes of the show from yeah. someone in Africa pleading for help. And right. she, for the first time is stuck in this world of like, I can't do anything with all my power and abilities and access. I can't do anything. And that starts a triggering moment for her of down a path of trying to uncover what happened on the other side of the phone call where Tala, a pregnant woman is missing and Zuhair has been killed. Right. And that's kind of how it started. It started as a short. Then how I was long was the short? 10 minutes. So that was just the beginning of that story, right? That yeah. was the... Yeah. What kind of is that first bit of what ends up being the first episode? On top yeah. Of, right? Essentially yeah. at the time I, I, I had a, I'd been doing shorts, you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and creating shorts. And, and at the time I knew it had a cliffhanger and then all of a sudden the right. cliffhanger happened. And even though at the time there was no such thing as like a short form thriller, which is right. kind of like not what it is. anyway. It's a 30 minute drama now. But mm. at the time I was like, well, as a independent producer on the nonprofit side, I know we can make this in 10 minute chunks and have a beginning, middle and end like these little one acts right, that come right. in and out. And I kind of like wrote it like that. Mm. And everyone thought we were crazy. And, um, but you know, the theater community came to save the day. Um, it was uh, the, uh, uh, the, the producer, Damon Olia comes from the theater background. Mm. Um, our investors are theater investors. And at the time I was doing the humans on Broadway. Yes. And as we were getting more money to like build out the first season, essentially what was happening, Gordon, is I was asking every single person that I knew if they would come and do this low budget SAG, yeah. SAG modified budget project. I, and we, sh we should say it's very clear that you were in the humans when this was filming because they all show up at some point during the show, right? Like it's hilarious. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> every single one of them is in there. Um, yep. And we, uh, you know, jumping ahead a little bit, we also shot season two, which no one has seen. Um, okay. And yeah. uh, they're all back. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, and then, you know, Lori Metcalf was doing, you know, Misery. 
uh, uh, on Broadway mm-hmm. uh, across the street. And Lori mm-hmm. and I became friends through Joe Mantello. And and then right. Lori became in the show. And I kind of asked Lori, like, what characters don't you get to play? And she's like, mm. badasses. And so she plays this, like, lesbian fixer, badass kind of like, you know, person. And then all of a sudden yeah. that kind of branched out. And, and then, you know, right. you know, Brandon Durden and I were in front, yeah. you know, you know, and just like the community came together. Right. Yeah. And, and so this was independently produced and then released online. What was the model? Cause it was, I feel like at least for a while it was free to watch. Right. Yeah. So what yeah. basically happened is we had this now again, pre-Trump. Right. Was now, it complete actually? The, the including this like so, does, does the story finish at the end of season two it finishes at the end of season three okay so there's a three season arc we shot right. two of the seasons okay great um and uh at the end of season one we had this two hour short form right. kind of thriller about the about like finding a vaccine swear to god mm-hmm. about yeah. finding a vaccine definitely and um privilege Mm-hmm. And also how to, and the Me Too movement, like all of that prior to all those things being in our, you know, kind of vocabulary. Right. And so we kind of like sent it around and the response was really strong. Like they really loved the show, but no one knew what to do with it. And so what better way to like tell people what to do with it than just, so we made our own independent platform exclusively right. just for North America. And we just tested mm. it out for about six months for okay. free. Yeah. And we had these little interactive sections in the middle of it that would come in and out and they would ask you questions and you can get like email responses. Lori Metcalf can give you a, a voice message. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it had all these little things. Right. And again, we were just testing the model. Um, yeah. Not because, um, mostly because we thought that it would kind of work mm-hmm. and, you know, it kind of did, you know, for right. that six months. And, um, again, the Broadway community came through and we involved Spotco and helping us market and all these other folks as well. And, yeah, right. and um, and we got an Emmy nomination. Kelly right. O'Hara got an Emmy for yeah. an Emmy. And then at that moment, um, we got more funding for season two and then right. we pulled the website and then, and then, and then now we're worth topic. Right. So, but before yeah. we get all that, I'm sure you have other questions. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things you were talking about, Lori Metcalf, mm. doing things we've never seen her do. But mm. that's also true of Kelly, because mm. Kelly is not someone we often see in a dramatic role. Mm. Uh, she's usually singing. Mm. She also as a theater person, even if you're in the front row, you never get as close to Kelly O'Hara acting as you do in the accidental wolf, right? Like, cause you've got a lot of close-ups in the, in the mm-hmm. show. And so you can really watch these people act in a way that, uh, you know, even, even us theater folks who go see them all the time, don't, we don't get that close to them. So it feels like even if you're not seeing them do something different, you're seeing them do it in a different way, which mm. is, uh, uh, really satisfying. Um, I love that you said it like that. I mean, Kelly's a phenom actress. And again, remember, mm-hmm. I don't have any context of Kelly prior to King Lear. Right. I mean, I know of Kelly O'Hara and the sure. star that she is, but um, so in my mind, what I was not, what I was responding to and writing towards mm. was the, the camera being so close to her face. And, and also I am not a type of writer or director that's going to be like, this is my way or the highway. Mm. You know, I'm not a woman. Mm -hmm. I'm not a mother. And so the only way that this is actually going to work is if I listen to Kelly. And so I would listen to her of being like, I, I want to hear about the moments when it's hard being a mom. 
Mm-hmm. I want to hear, and my wife also, as you know, we have two kids as well. So mm-hmm. I also picture it from that point of view. And also, I, I, I want to like really emphasize this, but I'm an immigrant from Iran that grew up in a country where my parents didn't speak English. So I watched my mom struggle through all that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of the work that I like to make as not only Accidental Wolf or even in the humans or even Succession, like I try to bring all those elements in. And so having right. Kelly there, honestly, and I mean this selfishly, it's like she can literally do anything that I ask, right. but she can also bring it to a level of things that I'm not even picturing. Mm. There's a very famous scene um, in The Accidental Wolf that I think a lot of people talk about in which she comes in and confronts um, uh, her husband, who mm-hmm. is threatening to take away her child with legal proceedings. Right. Mm-hmm. And she has this like unbelievable turn of events where we see a human being say things that are very, very hard and very, very harsh, but really honest and really truthful and probably what we would say in these really dirty moments. Right. And Kelly, again, with the glamour and the, 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 the stardom of a musical theater superstar, mm-hmm. um, to get nitty gritty and dirty and really show, you know, um, you know, all of those kind of moments is kind of just the only way that I picture her now. Yeah. And so it seems like once after the initial six month release, you took it down and then the idea was always to find another life for it, it Mm. sounds like. And so tell tell us about that process and sort of how you were hoping it would go. And TV seems like a natural fit for it. But did you think film or anything else? Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, you know, we never made there's no such thing as a short form thriller. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there was no like definition of that. So Mm. that was a hard thing for people to even think about how to even put out there. And also the word web series always has connotations to it that we're still Mm -hmm. 100% like not, you know, fully aware of. But all of a sudden we're doing, but we're making a classy, hopefully a classy, Mm. you know, messy thriller noir about vaccine viruses. And so Mm -hmm. how do you fit all that? And so all of a sudden we have this, this short form thriller and how do you get this out to masses, especially because, you know, the statistics that we were getting off of our website um, were, were really, really encouraging. 92% of the people that watch the show, if you press play, you would finish the episode on Mm. YouTube. It was like 17%. Um, And these are 10 minute chunks, not, not small. Um, There was a, a, I think almost like a 25% chance that if you watch the entire series, you'd rewatch it again. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and so we had these statistics in talking to people. And when we met with Topic, um, what they kind of were really about was truth and power, mm-hmm. which is what this show kind of like deals with. Mm-hmm. Um, at classy. And also an ability for us to kind of like finish our show the way that we really had intended it to. The show is small in the fact that it was made on a micro budget, but it's epic in the span of like the things that it has to say. Um, Women and mothers that watch the show kind of um, really tap into something that I, you know, was hoping to tap into. Um, Mm. Most of it's just the truth. A lot of it's messy. People think of Kelly as a, as a, as a, as a narrator that someone can really trust and someone that they can't trust, which I really love. Mm -hmm. Um, You have actors like Marsha Stephanie Blake and San Mm -hmm. Yayan coming in, really messing up her POV, which I really kind of love. And so who's going to let us kind of get messy with that? And topic was the place. 
Um, and not only that, you know, we wanted to have a big splash and really kind of having topic kind of come in and, 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 and show this off in the way that it really needs has kind of been really exciting for us, you know, theater folks that are trying to make something, you know, special and unique. Um, so yeah, I hope that yeah. answers the question. <laughs> I, yeah, definitely. And so at what point, when were you beginning to think about how the show would exist now and in its in the form that it ends up taking in uh on topic which is sort of these 30 minute chunks right and the first season is those four episodes that i saw is that right that's That's right the first first season is a two hour 30 minute chunk the second season will be another two hour uh 30 minute chunk um um, a bunch of reasons you know one uh, just truthfully um it's a big show it's mm-hmm. a big show with a lot of big ideas. How did I know when Trump got elected in 2016, you know, we, the world was shifting mm. um, without even being political about it. the world was shifting and all of the things that we were tackling in the show on a spiritual and a global level uh, in, and an interpersonal level, all three of those things that we were tackling Gordon um, was just ahead of the, I mean, it's just all of a sudden, we were seeing in the news, like about six months ago, there's a hunt for a vaccine for, <laughs> and all of a sudden half of season two, if not more is about a hunt for a vaccine. Right. Um, and so I knew that we were onto something, um, mm. you know, the prescientness of it all, you never kind of know, but right. um, uh, uh, I didn't change anything because of that. Um, mm. uh, a lot of it is because I feel like we, as a, as a theater community are always on the ground hearing what's happening prior to what it's, when it's happening to on a national level. Mm-hmm. And so tapping into that and really kind of like writing for that kind of led us to believe that, oh, this is a big scale. And also remember, we only released it for that six months or so North America, this right. is, has a huge European draw to it. And so right. the European uh, model really tests out the 30 minute drama more than we do in the United States. So obviously it's happening now because of Netflix and all that. And, sure. and so we thought what better time than now to kind of like really put this out there in a, in a, in a space and a time that can hear it and also kind of comment on it without telling you like polemically, like this is what needs, this is what I'm trying to say. Like right. it adds to the noise of it all, you know, mm-hmm. Judith Ivy, the incredible Judith Ivy um, mm-hmm. is the mother of Kelly in this piece. And in the first season, she has this kind of like really kind of like massive monologue in which she says um, and confronts her daughter who um, is kind of going on a wrong path of just trying to find what the hell happened on the rest of that phone call. And, you know, Judith Ivy for a moment is kind of like, I'm so sorry. Why are you searching for something? Why don't you just volunteer just like the rest of us and mm-hmm. move the fuck on? Yeah. And, you know, that was written in 2015, 16. And, and now I feel there is a level of the world that we live in and, and and without putting any pressure on this, but especially in rich class, especially in white rich classes of just like, I volunteered, I've done what I've had to do. Like all of that mess is kind of over there now. Right. Well, that's kind of how, we, you know, that's why we live in a racist society. I mean, that's, right. that's kind of not over there anymore. Um, and so anyway, all those things made us and, you know, topic as well. And, and all the, and the investors, you know, it's, it seems mm. like I'm making these decisions. A group of individuals came together and said, this needs a bigger scale. And here we yeah. are. I'll have more with Aryan right after the break.
And now, here's more with Arian Moyed, the writer and director of The Accidental Wolf. One of the things that struck me in it was around that scene, actually, is the there's this idea that uh, Kelly's character is kind of getting engrossed in this conspiracy theory mm. that feels to a lot of people hearing it like it's sort of out there. Mm. And it made me think of QAnon in a, th- mm-hmm. in a way that I was definitely not aware of, mm-hmm. you back know, in then. 2017 mm-hmm. back then. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like there are uh, a lot of ways that uh, that what's going on now is sort of reflected in in what's happening in the, um, yeah, in the world, in the, in the show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that, it's so funny. Yeah. We'll see where, you know, we'll see, You're right. we'll see yeah. how, what the next thing will be. Right. You know, a lot of that, you know, came from, I, I really, you know, the Sierra Leonean portion of this, uh, of this, yeah. show, I called it a play. Uh, <laughs> the Sierra Leonean, uh, that's how much I miss it. Yeah. <laughs> the Sierra Leonean um, portion of this, you know, again, I'm not from Sierra Leone. I'm not mm. a black male. Um, yeah. I, I went into the Sierra Leonean community with some, Saw's help and Papa mm-hmm. Busha and, 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 and met a lot of people from Kenema, met some child soldiers and really talked them through about what the Ebola vaccine um, kind of you know, was happening there. And being an Iranian immigrant, we have, we, we have oftentimes, you know, we're lucky here in the United States because, um, uh, and we'll see as, you know, the world is shifting. Um, we're lucky because in a way the stuff and the conspiracies and the power and the truth and power stuff is a part of everyday life everywhere else in the world. Right. Um, the conspiracy theories, some are based on truth and some not are the only way that we as individuals that are being oppressed can talk. And it's not because we are, um, you know, like into conspiracy theories. It's because we have no access to truth. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so the Sierra Leonean community, some of it's based on conspiracy, some of it based on truth, says, well, they were testing on the Ebola vaccine in Kenema in Sierra Leone. And why were they doing it at such a rapid rate? And did they accidentally spread that thing? Right. Now, we don't know the answer to that. Some of that might be true. Some of it might not be true. But it's plausible for people that don't have much to look at that and think of that as true. Mm-hmm. And so and so and in a way with QAnon as well, when you don't have access to, you know, rather, if, you know, truthful information, when you don't have places where you can go outside of YouTube, what happens? Mm. You just listen to that, you know, cons- you know, it's no different than when you go on a binge of, you know, Barbara Streisand videos online. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're like deep into it. And then all of a sudden, two hours in, you're like, Barbara Streisand is the greatest ever in the history of time. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? And now. Some of that's true yeah, sure. and some of it's not true. Yeah. And, you know, so like that's kind of what happened here. And, 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 and listening to them, you know, and listening to as a young child, immigrant stories of Iranians hearing about conspiracy theories, all of that exists mm. and all of that's based in a kernel of truth and all of it's not. And what do we do? Right. What do we do? Do we go after it? You know, what I, what I think that the hope, with a hook for people is I think people think like, Oh, this conspiracy theory is a lot. Like why is she diving into all this? But also they're hearing, but there is some truth in what she's saying. And how do you balance that? You know, one of the amazing folks at topic kind of like pose this question is like, what do you sacrifice for the truth? How far do you go? Right. If it's going to hurt you and your own, right. how far will you go? How far will you sacrifice to help someone you don't know? Um, that's a question that we need to ask ourselves as community is lost and, you know, anyway. Yeah. And is any, 
what has shifted there's like structural differences in terms of what these episodes are on mm. topic and and the shorts that were that were originally put online but what is there new plot or footage or anything like what what has what's new to uh what people what's different from what may have what people may have seen in uh you know a few yeah. years ago well now i have 4 hours of a show that i've created yeah right so and so now teasers from season two can come into season one. Um, We have an ability, you know, there was always a couple of chunks of scenes. I mean, I would say about in season one right now, I'd say about 20% of it is new Mm -hmm. um, stuff that hasn't been on before. Um, You know, interstitial stuff, adding some people, adding Mm -hmm. some, you know, elements to it. Um, And also being able to have this big jigsaw piece of this whole show and kind of like piecing it all together and knowing now that this is going to happen here and, you know, mm. and cameos are going to come in mm-hmm. and out and, you know, the, in the first season, I think it was like at the time, maybe it's probably like longer. We, somebody out there, can someone figure this out mm. in season one? I believe there's like almost 40 Tony nominations <laughs> in the cast and crew. I think in season one and two, I think we hit 80. Wow. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So some wins, someone some wins there. in there too, right? A lot of wins. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. Yes. <laughs> I think there's probably a lot of yeah. wins. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly used to joke that she's like, well, all these Tony nominations are me because I never won. <laughs> 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 right. um, so. And so what is the timeline for season one? And then in theory, in theory, season two, when will people be able to see that? Great question. Uh, season one, November 26th mm-hmm. on Topics platform. You can download it right now. You get all two hours. Right. Um, season two will be coming out in June of 2021. Okay, great. Um, uh, and season three will be coming out in November of 2021. And season three is the one you have done no filming for yet. Very little filming okay. for. Great. But um, without saying too much, the uh, 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 the world all of a sudden explodes in Kelly's life. And now all of a sudden she has kind of really stepped into it. Okay. And so uh, season two kind of like dives deeper into the what she is finding mm. uh, with some amazing people like Judith Lights in it and Danny Burstyn oh. and uh, Justin Bartha and amazing individuals. Mm-hmm. Oh, Marsha Stephanie Blake and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Brandon Durden comes back, Crystal Dickinson, and then uh, and then we expand and expand and expand and expand. Right, right. And let's talk about some of the other things that uh, sure. have been keeping you busy during this time. Uh, in addition to getting your kids to and from school. Um, <laughs> w- uh, First of all, Waterwell, the company that you co-founded, uh, was worked on something called the Flores Project that has found a way to tour in a pandemic-friendly way. And Waterwell is a company that's always done very engaged work. Um, and I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about that and what it Absolutely. is and how people can see it uh, in the future. Absolutely. Um, this all stemmed from last year's show called The Courtroom. Right. The Courtroom, which we kind of performed, which was a reenactment of one woman's deportation proceedings. Um, we performed in courtrooms all across the city, um, including the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, Thurgood Marshall's court, uh, mm. courtroom. Right. Um, and that led us to kind of be really engaged with Lee Sunday Evans as our director and artistic director of Waterwell to be engaged in the immigration advocacy community and judges and, and, and lawyers and everyone that's 
kind of fighting that fight and led us to one conversation with um, the Immigration Rights Clinic uh, uh, founder of Columbia University, Alora Mukherjee, who just got back from the border uh, last summer um, uh, and which he fought the Trump administration and won about seeing um, what was happening inside of these uh, uh, cages. Um, she then gave us because she believed in Waterwell and Lee and what we were doing with the courtroom, she handed over to us the public um, documents of 69 um, uh, testimonies, sworn testimonies of children on the border, in which we converted all those into this video installation piece that you can look online for free called mm -hmm. Flores Exhibits, mm -hmm. Flores uh, dash exhibits.org. Mm -hmm. And that led to a national kind of movement. And in COVID, Lee and everyone at Waterwell um, kind of brought that uh, and toured it in uh, battleground states all across the country, um, um, in, in communities that um, are like sisters of a nunnery, including universities, including um, uh, Latino populations. Um, and we talked to as many people and kind of branched that out and watched videos of people just reading the testimonies, no acting, no like, you know, fancy, you know, like uh, weird, like, you know, um, celebrity bullshit, like mm -hmm. real kind of honest, just reading it. And people like Morena ba uh, Bassarin and mm -hmm. um, David Schwimmer and myself, yeah. including huge advocates in the immigration community just did it. And we kind of toured that um, and have been touring. We have another uh, couple pieces in the next couple of weeks as well. So waterwell.org for more information right. on that or uh, Instagram or Facebook yeah. uh, on that. So that's what we're doing on the Waterwell side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You mentioned uh, Succession earlier. Um, I did. Uh, what's the status on season three? Well, have you be even begun to start filming that yet? I am not supposed to answer that. Okay. All right. But, well, we're anxiously um, waiting. But but um, I have a beard. Okay, you sure do. You don't. You you look not unlike Stewie. So it's. Really I don't know what that means, though. Yeah, I really yeah. have no idea what that means. Um, I think people that are the Succession fans and fanatics out there are going to be uh, thrilled when season three comes out. I actually don't know when that comes out, mm. but um, knowing um, that Jesse Armstrong and all these people are coming, all these amazing individuals are coming back to make this kind of beautiful piece of like art, really. Um, I'm excited to say that that's really going to be good, I think. And you are, were also working on, uh, before the pandemic hit, you were in uh, Castana. Um, Shonda Rhimes show for Netflix. It was about this like uh, Instagram, um, I don't know, scammer, basically. It was a crazy story in New York Magazine. Yeah. Um, was that, had you finished shooting that before the pandemic? And I have not finished shooting okay. that before the pandemic. I'm shooting that now. St okay, uh, yeah. So, so both things are kind of like simultaneously happening. Uh, it's called Inventing Anna. Inventing mm -hmm. Anna is Shonda's new first uh, uh, kind of limited series for uh, Netflix. Right. Um, that's going to be coming out in 2021, starring Julia Garner mm -hmm. and Anna Klumski and myself. Yeah. Uh, Anna Delvey is the story of a true, true individual who... Um, basically scammed a lot of people almost of $20 million in kind of creating a, um, what she wanted to build like a new Soho house. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and, uh, she did it completely on, on lies and, uh, and then she got caught and then she became an Instagram sensation, uh, because, um, a lot of people kind of thought what she did was kind of really actually cool. Um, and I represent her in a court of law. Oh, I play okay. Todd Spodick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and um, 
just being on that set. We were shooting right when the pandemic hit, mm. um, and we got we've been shooting. We've been re we've been back for another uh, about two months now. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, all my scenes are with Julia and Anna Klumsky and uh, and uh, the amazing Caitlin Fitzgerald oh, and yeah. Rebecca Henderson. Mm. Um, uh, it's really cool. Like on Succession, all my scenes are with dudes. Right, <laughs> renting Anna. Yeah. All my scenes are with ladies. Right. So it's like a really nice mix. And what is it like working now? with all the COVID stuff in place. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty intense. Yeah, I got um, it. With both Netflix and HBO, the protocols are really, really kind of um, massive. Yeah. Um, we, uh, multiple tests a week, even on weeks when you're not shooting. Mm. Um, uh, protocols of the masks are definite. There's not even a question of that. Um, uh, many times we, oftentimes, if not all times, have to wear a shield as well. Mm -hmm. So a little shield that covers our eyes. Mm -hmm. um, the sets have been condensed to the least amount of people. Um, but, you know, um, people at, you know, HBO and Netflix, I don't know if you can imagine this, Gordon, but they have a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're really kind of bending backwards to make sure that we're safe and yeah. kind of moving forward. Um, and knock on wood, um, we have not had any... Uh, a on our set, we have had no no COVID cases, right. and uh, and and to be honest, there is an energy that is new and fresh and annoying and weird, and um, there's also an an energy that is really like beautiful and resilient, and and the seeing all of us kind of like push through in these kind of crazy times has been you know really kind of remarkable. I think we're all like happy to be working. Yeah, um, and you get used to it like anything. Right. You know what I mean? Like six months ago, this was weird. Right. Right. <laughs> This video call that we yeah, were doing. Yeah, but now all yeah. of a sudden we're like, we all got our different apps and the yeah. programs and this and <laughs> right. that, and we got our own like special microphone. So yeah. you know we're we're we'll be pushing through and 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 um, and we'll be pushing through. Uh, yeah, I think moving forward. And I got to be honest, there's also certain things that happen on a set um, that are okay. Some things are okay. Right. Um, you know, maybe if we can't be at a table read or something, it's okay to do it via Zoom. Yeah, like right. at least everyone's there. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's things that we can like kind of like push forward and kind of move through. But you know, inventing Anna succession, I'm I'm it's a it's a blessing of riches. I mean, both yeah. these shows are about messy people getting to do messy things. So it's fun to be on both. Right. And how are you thinking about theater in the future? What what would you think theater is a is a world you're always connected to? Um, how are you thinking about what you would like to do uh, looking ahead on stage? Great question. Um, I you know I would right now do anything. <laughs> I would I would be one of those like you know newsies in the back of the front page. Mm -hmm, yeah. You know what I mean, just kind of like, oh, that's okay. I do that right now. <laughs> yeah. I do anything. Um, I think we'll get back, you know, oh, yeah. when people, you know, when people are always like, ah, the theater's dead. Like, listen, of all the mediums, the oldest <laughs> is mm. theater, and we're still doing it. Mm. I mean, if we thought that, like, you know, the, we, the Greeks were doing theater pray mm. before all that, we can do this. Yeah. We can totally do this. Um you know, I'm 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 dying to get back at it. You know, Waterwell Lee is working on this amazing Stefano Messino play called Seven Minutes that has not apart from me in it, but I, I think Waterwell is really excited about it. Um, uh, that would be kind of our first like Waterwell show coming back. Mm. Um, um, you know, I'm way too young, but I'm always interested in playing Lear. Okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so. 
who's out there. I don't, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and, you know, I'm getting really creative, you know, without saying too much, I'm actually working on a project right now that might actually, you know, look like an old Christmas radio play hmm. uh, that I wrote and, and directed um, and uh, that might come out that feels like theater to me with hmm. a bunch of theater people in it. I should not say who's in it quite yet, but, um, but uh, that's going to hopefully come out in December of this year, which will feel this like year, theater. Right. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Right before the holidays, a Disney, you know, as you do, an Iranian immigrant writing a Christmas story. Yeah, you that's, know. That, yeah. <laughs> that's basically how that goes. <laughs> well, well, uh, we look forward to that. We look forward to yeah. seeing you in Lear on stage and maybe in a few things before then, maybe a couple here and yeah. there. Um, so thanks for taking the time to uh, Gordon, talk thank with you. us, Ariane. It was really great to talk to you. And uh, Accidental Wolf, November 26th. Topic. Topic, topic, yeah. topic. Accidental Wolf, November 26th. You've got to check it out. Yeah. Kelly is giving a performance of a lifetime. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Ariane. Great to talk to thank you. Thank you. Yep. Bye. That was Arian Moyad, the writer and director of The Accidental Wolf, coming to Topic November 26th. If you like what you're hearing on this and other episodes of StageCraft, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and you can subscribe and find past episodes there and on all the other pod places, including Spotify and on the Broadway Podcast Network, which is a great place to find more theater for your ears. I'll be back in two weeks with another new episode. Thanks for listening, and see you soon. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.